Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. In this episode, we're discussing chapter number six, Imagination, the workshop of the mind. Now, in the previous episodes, we went through the lesson on specialized knowledge, auto-suggestion, faith, desire, and thought. This is um, an episode that uh, this is a chapter that um, talks about using all of these elements that we've learned previously in order to create a plan, but a structured plan. It's not as vague as the title might suggest. Now, what does imagination mean? To the author, it means it is a place where all ideas are fashioned. The impulse, the desire is given shape, form, and action through the aid of the imaginative faculty of the mind. Now, imagination, as vague as it seems, can be put into two categories, according to the author, and I tend to agree. Um, the first kind of imagination is synthetic imagination, imagination that is not really new or different or innovative in any form, but it is one that has already been there. The structures of it are al already in place. We are just applying it to a different uh, objective. So in the author's words, through synthetic imagination, one may arrange old concepts, ideas or plans into new combination. This faculty creates nothing. It is just a different version of something that is already there. Um, this can be, but in order for this to be effective, it has to be done at a greater degree of something, that it can be a greater degree of skill, greater degree of uh, speed, greater degree of anything that brings out more value. The other form of imagination, and this is the, this is the creator imagination, which in his words, in the author's words, is creative imagination. Now, this faculty functions only when the conscious mind is vibrating at an exceedingly rapid pace. And this happens when there is some desire backing it in terms of uh, in terms of how the book has taught us what a strong desire and a burning desire has to be there in order for any imagination to flourish. The creative faculty becomes more alert, more receptive to vibrations from the sources mentioned in proportion to its development through use. So in order for any creative uh, imagination to tick or to get you that get you to that aha moment, it has to work, it has to be put to use consistently over a period of time. It might not get you there every time, but more often than not, uh, at some point of time it will. Both, both synthetic and creative imagination, uh, creative faculties of imagination become more alert with use, just as any muscle or organ of the body develops through use. Now it's very often said the mind is a muscle, the more often you use it, the better it becomes. And that is largely very true. Um, the more often you use a, a more often you, you use a muscle to do a particular task, an arduous task, a task that, that requires you to put some amount, some amount of effort, it will get stronger. Um, similarly with, with the mind, the more often you put it through a lot of hardships, positive hardships in the fulfillment of a desire through imagination, either synthetic or creative, it gets better. While synthetic imagination is the one which should be used most frequently, 
in the process of transforming the impulse of desire into money, you must keep in mind the fact that you may face circumstances and situations which demand use of the creative imagination as well. Your imaginative faculty may never become weak through inaction. It can be revived, made alert through use. And how does one use it? Uh, since imagination is all about thinking of something that isn't probably isn't previously thought of, um, it has to be done so with a plan. Because again, it's a very vague thing to think about, right? If you're thinking about a product that you want to create, a service that you can offer, a company that you want to build, an app that can fulfill any service, all of this needs to be created with a particular plan, a theory framework in mind. And that is what the author is advising. And the way to do that is um, first carry out your instructions best suited to your needs, whatever the needs that you are fulfilling. Reduce your plan to writing. The moment you complete this, you will have definitely given concrete form to the intangible desire through imagination. Right? When you begin, begin with a simple thought impulse of desire to accumulate money and draft into it the same stuff that, that one would draft into nature. And that is how anything in this world is created. It is, and I would like to take this, this opportunity to go back to the first chapter, the power of thought, the power of thought in which the author very clearly describes that it is the initial impulse of thought that creates anything. Thought creates desire, desire forms through action, action forms through imagination, so on and so forth. With the goal that always lasts, and the goal in this case is in order to build something that has value, in order to build something that makes you wealthy. Now the principles which follow will open the way for understanding of imagination. Assimilate that which you understand as you read this philosophy for the first time. Then when you reread and study it, you will discover that something has happened to clarify it and give you broader understanding of the whole. And in order to give us broader understanding of the whole, he gives us two very distinct but relatable examples. The first is called the enchanted kettle. It is a familiar story, a story that we can all relate to, but it is a story that comes to us from the 1880s where a old doctor, between an old doctor and a clerk, this, this old doctor gave the clerk um, a piece of paper with some information scribbled on it for $500. Now mind you, $500, was a lot of money then. It's a lot of money now, but it was a significant amount of money then. And this piece of paper, in, in, in the author's words, was equivalent to a king's ransom. The clerk who received this bit, bit, bit of paper was taking a big chance by staking his entire life savings on the mere scrap of paper and an old kettle. Right? Now, the author tells us that the old kettle consumes annually millions of glass bottles, providing jobs to huge number of glass workers, has converted a small southern city into the business capital of the country, has done other marvelous things. Now, what might this old kettle be and who might this clerk be? Now, this clerk's name was Asa Candler um, and the pharmacist's name was uh, John Sith Pemberton, uh, the man who created the formula for Coca-Cola and, uh, and, and, and Asa Gandler was the man who was the founder of the company. Um, and this eventually led to the creation of the behemoth that is Coca-Cola. Then 
the author tells, stop and think of that for the moment, for a moment. Remember that uh, with, remember also that the 13 principles and steps to riches described in the book with the media through which the influence of Coca-Cola has been extended to every city, town, village, and crossroad of the world. Truly thoughts are things and their scope of operation is the world itself. The second story that he brings to us is titled, What I Would Do If I Had a Million Dollars. And this is a story about a, a, a preacher called Mr. Gonzalez. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, who wanted to rectify the educational system through practicality. So he wanted to build his own college and university, but he didn't have the money to do so. He deduced that he would require $1 million to do so. And obviously he couldn't, he was a preacher, he didn't have that sort of money. So in order to finance his university, in order to get that money, he decided to have a sermon. And the title of the sermon would be, what I would do if I have a million dollars. And then on the day of the sermon, he's, he, he wrote down his entire message to the crowd. He invited uh, the media and wealthy people and basically created sort of a stage for a pitch. And um, in that stage, he, he decided to write uh, the sermon, but eventually forgot his piece of paper. But as he stood on the stage in front of the audience, he couldn't run back and get it, but decided to continue uh, without it. And he gave his sermon as confidently as he could. And, um, <laughs> and lo and behold, uh, a man named, uh, let me get his name correct. I, I often uh, miss it out. Here it is, um, a, ma a man named uh, Philip Danforth Armour. Philip Danforth Armour came to him after his sermon and offered him a million dollars in order to build a university called the Amor, the Amor Institute of Technology, where uh, Gonzalez eventually served as the president of the university for 27 years. And this was all on the basis of a whim to, or on the thought rather, to create a university in order to teach by his message. He uh, translated this into a sermon, which he delivered without any, without his notes in front of him. And it eventually did transform into, um, into the investment of a million dollars. And, and the author says that God, God seems to know, to throw himself on the side of the man who knows exactly what he wants if he's determined to get just that. This is with the story of Coca-Cola or the Enchanted Kettle, the previous uh, story, and with the story of um, Gonzalez, who, who wanted to um, wanted a million dollars to build his own university. Both knew the astounding truth that ideas can be transmuted into cash through the power of definite purpose plus definite plans. It, it, and, and, and another uh, set of examples he gives is the evolution of uh, information or the information age in, in, the 19, in the 1930s. Now mind you, this book was written in the 1970s where the information age was slowly moving from just or pure press or pure uh, written media, written information to uh, uh, some form of electronic information in the form of radio. And um, the, the author says the next flock of millionaires will grow out of the radio business, which is the new and not overburdened 
which and which is new and not overburdened with men of key imagination the money will be made by those who discover or create new or meritorious radio programs and have the imagination to recognize merit and to give the radio listeners a chance to profit by it and this <laughs> looking back in 2021 it does seem that um the next wave of of media after after has gone through video will probably be audio uh, this is a medium of that and uh, i i hope to be a member of that uh, media business whatever you want to call it but this this certainly a change that you can see with respect to how people consume information um now information can be consumed on the go in any form of uh any form that 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 is possible and the most easiest form which involves just one sense is podcast where it just has to be heard uh while driving on or while while using your eyes to drive on the road while using your hands to clean the dishes while using your legs to walk in the park it so as far as this is concerned this is one of the most um limited sense form of media just a one sense concentrating unlike video where you have your eyes and your ears um unlike any other form of media where there are several other senses being involved and in order to build anything in this new domain as the author has recognized almost a century earlier you need to have imagination and he says the same thing uh, by uh, in conclusion this chapter which he has says before said before success requires no explanation failure permits no alibis ideas are tangible forces but they have more power than the physical brains that give birth to them they have the power to live on after the brain that creates them has returned to dust that's it from this episode i i hope you enjoyed listening as much as i enjoyed reading this um and again so anyway this can be made better from better experience listening experience do let me know that's it for me i'm out